Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got plenty to get you caught up on on today's show around the NFL. Training camps, of course, in full swing. Got a decision on Deshaun Watson, so we will discuss that as well as the NFL uh, seriously punishing the Miami Dolphins for tampering. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. KP is out again this week. He is covering 49ers camp on the ground for them, so make sure you're following all his fantastic content at Niners Nation. But Justice, I already mentioned it. We're going to start here with the Deshaun Watson suspension. Uh, Watson was suspended on Monday for six games without pay for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy um, in private meetings with massage therapists, according to a ruling by the retired federal judge, Sue L. Robinson, that was appointed by the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Uh, uh, initial thoughts on this. I know they covered it on the Monday show, but it, it is the biggest story in the NFL and it's stories like this, as we've mentioned several times on this podcast, where it's hard to just be a football fan sometimes. And when Deshaun Watson is accused of all of the awful, disgusting things that he's been accused of and only gets a six game suspension, it's hard to just focus on training camp with a story like this. I mean, it was a story that we've been focusing on for, what, over a year now? Like, it's been in the spotlight. So, yeah. I mean, it, I'm not surprised that it's not going away just because a couple rookies are catching deep balls in, in practice and stuff. Um, this is probably what we expected, right? I mean, I, I the ebbs and flows of kind of how expectations have kind of leaked out into the media have changed a little bit. But I think probably what – two, three months ago, we would have thought maybe he's going to be facing a year-long suspension. You know, you look at what baseball did with Trevor Bauer. Um, and then as soon as they appointed the uh, retired federal judge, it sounded like, you know, six to eight games. He ends up getting six. Uh, the NFLPA came out ahead of it and said, you know, we're, we're willing to live with, you know, whatever the suspension is. You know, we're not going to appeal. Hopefully the NFL doesn't appeal. The NFL has, I believe, until tomorrow to appeal this. So we'll see if the six game suspension sticks. But as of now, it's looking like that. Um, week three, you know, the, the Browns are going to be playing a national game on Thursday night football. So all spotlights are going to be on them. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, like how they handle Watson not being on the field, both from like an on-field football standpoint. And then like, what the hell does it look like when he returns to the field? Right? Like, are the fans excited is like it's going to be a weird situation because it's going to be on the road too it's going to be on the road at baltimore like what does that crowd look like yeah I, i think there's a lot of grappling going on right now with browns fans former browns fans current browns fans a lot of people who just want to look at the football side of this and say we have uh, a guy who was uh, a couple years ago, one of the five best quarterbacks in football, and we want to win football games. And then there's the people who understand the morally bankrupt side of this and are kind of struggling with their fandom compared to just how you feel personally and emotionally about a story like this. It's, we've talked about it a bunch. It's gross and it's hard to watch them, and you know root for the browns or or get excited for them at least for me personally and you mentioned that the nfl can 
appeal this. And now this is going to be really interesting, which, yeah, it should come down either today or tomorrow. It sounds like there's there's not a, a definitive time or date, but it sounds like they've got 72 hours from the initial ruling. So it sounds like we'll know something either later today or, or by some, by mid-afternoon tomorrow or something like that, whether or not the NFL is going to appeal the ruling. And for our listeners who don't really understand why they had to hire an independent judge to investigate this and to come out with the ruling. This was part of the NFL and NFL players association. It was in the new collective bargaining agreement. Part of it was to try to take some punishment power away from Roger Goodell, where we've seen in the past before where, you know, players get charges dropped for things that they've done off the football field. And then Roger Goodell still comes out with, uh, a stiff penalty of suspensions because it goes against their code of conduct. And so this was a way for the players to try to get some of the power back in a way from Roger Goodell when it comes to punishments and suspensions. But that being said, the NFL could still appeal this thing and Roger Goodell could try to flex if he wants to create a big problem, which I think it will be a problem with the NFL PA. If Roger comes out and says, no, six games is enough, it's going to be 12 or it's going to be a season or something like that. But I don't know if, if at this point, if Rogers willing to step up for that kind of battle, just to show that he still has power when it comes to deciding these kinds of things. Yeah. And I think Roger has kind of moved away from that iron fist Roger, right? Like remember when he came in, he first became commissioner. It was like suspension, suspension, suspension. Right. And I think he's trying to move away from that kind of like image. Um, so I, I don't know if they would appeal it. I mean, it, it's hard to, to know. Obviously, the league was trying to suspend it for longer. Um, I do think that, you know, the, the, I, this goes into the Dolphins thing, too. It's like the, the league kind of targets teams rather than, like, specific individual circumstances. So, like, one of the reasons I think the league is really trying to go after the Browns is they hose the quarterback market, right? Like fully guaranteed contract that makes everyone's life tougher, even beyond, you know, the, the scope of what Deshaun Watson has done on and off the field. Right. Um, You look at the dolphins. I I think it's kind of a similar thing. I just think from a lot of different perspectives, this story still isn't done yet. Right. Like you look at the Brown schedule right now. So they got six games week three, they play Thursday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. At this point, I think we're going to assume it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Who knows if they make a move for someone like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. If he's going to come into camp, he probably has to come into camp quickly, right? I mean, it's already August 3rd. Um, there's going to be, what, four more weeks after that, that a ba- or three more weeks after that, that a backup quarterback's going to play. And then Deshaun Watson's first game is going to be, you know, on the road at Baltimore. At Baltimore. That's going to be you know, a tough game. I'm sure there's going to be a spotlight on that one. And then immediately after Monday night football, Cincinnati Bengals, his first home game as a starting quarterback at the Cleveland Browns. And then a bye week, then back-to-back road games that ends off with the Buffalo bills. And then immediately playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So like that mid season stretch, it's going to be all eyes on the Browns. And I think you mentioned a, a really important point in this thing where, other owners, and I think it's been kind of underreported, is the outrage that other owners felt because of the Deshaun Watson contract. And it's not because... It's uh, why Baker took so long to get moved. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why Baker was so long to get moved. They wanted the Browns to have to pay the money. If you're going to give Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract, then you're going to pay the money for Baker. Yeah, and, and it's not because of the bad PR nature of it. It's because of the amount of money that they guaranteed and the unprecedented nature of the contract. That we just we just talked last yeah. week about Joe Burrow, right? And how, how and how Mike Brown already is like. I hope he takes some homes deal and the mechanics of you know having uh, all that money in escrow, right, for a huge signing bonus for a quarterback. Like this is stuff that will impact owners. So it is important to note that if the NFL does wind up appealing this, it's not necessarily the NFL taking some moral stand in this just awful, awful case. It's probably more than likely pressure on Roger Goodell to uh, make a statement against the Cleveland Browns because of the way that this has all been handled. And I mean, this is a league that's still dealing with the Daniel Snyder stuff, uh, There was a story about Jerry Jones a few months back that kind of just got pushed to the side because that's the nature of the NFL. And then 
this story with the Miami Dolphins uh, that came out yesterday, which the NFL announced that it's docking the Dolphins two draft picks. They also are suspending owner Stephen Ross as a result of the league's tampering allegations investigation. It's a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 third round pick. Stephen Ross is also being suspended from the league until October 17th of the upcoming season, and he's being fined $1.5 million. The key findings include impermissible communications with Tom Brady in both 2019 and 2020 when he was with the Patriots in 2021 when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as well as impermissible communications with Sean Payton in January of 2022 when you remember that underreported story that we talked about on this podcast. We were like, why is this thing a week old and nobody is talking about it? Where it was alleging that Tom Brady retired originally from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he had worked out a deal to go to the Miami Dolphins and become and, and take an ownership share and then become the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback, which is a pretty unprecedented level of collusion. And so the NFL said, okay, we're not playing around with this. We cannot have this when we are opening the gambling floodgates and we are now getting into business with these gambling websites and trying to legalize sports betting all over the place. We cannot have teams openly tampering with players, but, what was not punished in this whole situation was the Brian Flores lawsuit allegations of Steven Ross offering to pay him to tank games a few years ago. That part was left out. And then the Miami Dolphins did the weird thing of like doubling down and calling Brian Flores a liar, but saying we, we accept the NFL's punishment. Do you, did you see one person who believes the Dolphins side of this? No, I think everyone is just overwhelmingly believes Brian Flores. Right. So like, they, he he had witnesses, right? What what else more could the NFL have wanted for tampering allegations, right? Like, do you need like a legit side document? You have to have the check and be like, look, he actually physically wrote me the check. Um, just seems very weird. Like Stephen Ross's excuse was just like, I'm just joshing, I'm just palling with the fellas. Fellas can't make jokes anymore. What's up with that? Like. I, I can't believe that he got away scot-free on that. The Tom Brady, Sean Payton stuff seemed obvious, right? Like, one, once that gets out to reporters, there's enough smoke out there that, like, if the league's going to hammer you, you know, you're just leaving it out there for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Like, okay, they lost a first-round pick and a third-round pick in the future. Does Brady still sign with them next year? Does Sean Payton come out of retirement next year? Sean Payton, when he retired, was like, you might see me in a year or two. Like, it didn't sound like Sean Payton was done coaching in the NFL. Um, the Tom Brady stuff, you know, they've flirted over multiple, multiple uh, years. So I'm, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they both ended up back in Miami, like, next season. I mean, who knows? It is interesting because obviously losing the first round pick is huge. And this is a team where, if these things fall apart with Tua this season, based on everything that they've put around him, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, if he decides to leave Tampa Bay and wants to go to Miami next year, that's still going to be an option for them. So maybe losing that first round pick doesn't hurt as much, but they could have been a team who was going to be in the market for trying to move up and get one of these top quarterbacks in a quarterback heavy draft class. And you have to assume now without a 2023 first round pick, that's just off the table. So yeah. next season for the Miami Dolphins, it's Tua or see if Brady is willing to come to Miami and see what they can do with him. Yeah, I mean, they're really pushed back into a corner, right? And you can't really give Tua any more excuses about at least the wide receivers, the offensive line, you know, who, who knows. Um, but there's real expectations for you know, Mike McDaniel's team to produce immediately. And I don't know if he has the quarterback for that. It'll be interesting, right? Because Brian Flores had that defense going. And if they take a regression, how many people are going to have buyer's remorse on, on switching, you know, head coaches there? I'm, I, I really can't believe that, like, Flores' name is getting dragged through the mud. I understand the record, but, like, you guys have heard me talk about how, like, last year's Lions team, like, fought as hard as that team possibly could fight. That was not a talented team. It was the same situation in Miami that first year with, with Flores. Remember? Like, that that was not an NFL football team. Like, you almost have to scratch away that entire team's record. And after that, Flores' record isn't that bad. Like, last year, what, they had – it was something like eight games in a row that they were able yeah. to win, and he got fired. That's crazy. That never happens in the NFL. 
Yeah. And now okay. he's like a linebackers coach slash assistant head coach for the Steelers. Which and the fact that he's even a coach anywhere was just Mike Tomlin saying, well, I can do what I want here in Pittsburgh. Well, that's because... what Tomlin said. Tomlin was yeah. like, someone's got to step up for him because I don't want yeah. him like not finding work. Like, that's not what we need. The league needs Flores. Like, if Flores was a head coach in two years, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be. Maybe it's a he pushed ownership, therefore we don't hire him because he pushed ownership type thing. But in terms of qualifications to like actually be a head coach and like do well in that role, like he's up there. He's, you know, one of the guys who would probably get uh, thrown his name thrown out there in the next hiring cycle. Yeah, I think he's based on what he did with those Miami teams that I totally agree with you were not talented. Um, and he definitely deserves to be in those conversations and he absolutely belongs in the NFL. Like, let alone like we're talking about, he's lucky that he's a linebacker's assistant for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he probably is lucky that he's gotten a job in the NFL. But again, it comes back to Mike Tomlin's got more power than most NFL head coaches do because of his track record there in Pittsburgh. But Brian Flores has proven that he belongs in the NFL. So We'll see how that unfolds, but yeah, it's it, a lot of this is NFL continuing to try to show a heavy hand um, when it has anything to do with possible gambling implications. Like we talked about the Calvin Ridley season long suspension and what a joke it, in my opinion, it, it seems like that is compared to what's happening with the Sean Watson, but then, you know, they, they have this heavy handed punishment for the Miami dolphins but the Dolphins are out here just dragging Brian Flores. And the NFL's like, oh, we're cool with them doing that. Whatever. He's suing us. So we don't really care about that. But we just have to look good uh, in front of the public and make sure that there's no uh, possible gambling implications or anything that could affect our partnerships as they continue to try to legalize sports gambling all over the country. So it's a mess in Miami, but uh, the punishment definitely fits the crime where there was definitely uh, some collusion going on there to try to get Tom Brady to the Miami dolphins. Um, another big story from this week, Broncos wide receiver, Tim Patrick goes down non-contact injury. They did confirm that it is an ACL injury. He is out for the season. Um, this just sucks for a, a player that I'm a fan of a, a guy that was not a high draft pick has worked his way up in the NFL to get a, a nice contract extension from the Denver Broncos and get them to commit to him as an important part of their offense, as they go out and trade for Russell Wilson and make a lot of big moves this off season to try to say, Hey, we're in this thing to try to compete in the AFC and try to be a, a super bowl contender. I think that Tim Patrick is a really underrated part of that offense and has been for the last couple of years. So for, for a guy that wasn't a high round draft pick for a guy that has fought to make it in the NFL and, and found success and proven that he can be a playmaker. It, it's just something you hate to see at, and uh, at any level of football. I'm happy he got paid. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, He's a 28-year-old undrafted guy, right? Came into the league in 2017. This is why you can never really blame players for, for trying to, you know, hit hit strike while the iron's hot, right? Like, when they strike when the iron's hot, you can't blame them. Because post-ACL injury, Tim Patrick at 29 years old going into next offseason, like, he wouldn't have been able to get the money that he was just able to grab. So, like, he, he got life-changing money for him and his family. Like, good for him. Um, as far as the on-field stuff, we're gonna learn a whole lot about Jerry Judy, aren't we? Like Jerry Judy, we've been waiting, so. we've been waiting on him to kind of break out and be that type of like OBJ type of potential wide receiver. And now it's just basically what him, Cortland Sutton, and KJ Hamler out there running for for Russell Wilson, who is gonna have high expectations and is gonna be asked to perform almost immediately in the toughest division of football. So. He's certainly going to see a bunch of targets. Yeah, I, I think it hurts more than we probably realize because we we talk about Russell style of play too, and the way he likes to take these deep ball shots. Like Tim Patrick would have been an important part of that. You know, I think mm -hmm. Judy is going to be a possible like reception hog, like you know, underneath outlet guy who can get open with his route running ability. And then you had Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick who are going to be your deep ball guys. And I think that hurts. And you know, KJ Hamler still trying to work his way back from a season ending injury. He's on the pup list currently, but uh, they're optimistic that he's going to get back on the field here soon. So we'll see what they have in him. But 
I think it's a huge loss for this offense. And yeah, for, for a team that's in the toughest division in football, uh, I, I think it's something, it's something you hate to see for the player, but it's something that I think hurts the Denver Broncos offense as a whole. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Tim Patrick costs you the playoffs, but he probably costs you, you know, a game or two down the line, like the difference between him and whoever's going to end up being on the field as that wide receiver three, you know, just the way the NFL works out, you're in 11 personnel most of the time. So the jump is, you know, Hamler or whoever takes Hamler's spot. So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty decent drop-off, right? I mean, that's why they paid him all that money in the first place. Got to hope for huge things from Alberto, uh, I guess, uh, or Greg Dolchich as a rookie. Like, just hope for big things from your tight ends for Russell rookie, Wilson. Rookie tight ends always produce. People forget that. Yes, yes. Very reliable commodities in the NFL, rookie tight ends. But uh, uh, wish Tim Patrick uh, a speedy recovery and hope that he do- is able to bounce back next season from that injury. I do want to talk about before we take a quick timeout, uh, Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen's video making rounds this week of him uh, making fun of Russell Wilson, I guess. Uh, I, I don't remember. What was he saying? Like, it's like bolts. Like, let's ride. Or Chargers, yeah, let's bolt, ride. bolt fan. Let's ride. Yeah. Bolt fan. Let's ride. And of course, making fun of the viral video of uh, Russell Wilson saying Broncos country. Let's ride. And just Russell Wilson's continued. Someone has to explain it to him, right? Like someone has to tell him someone in his life has told him like, Russell, you're so corny, man. You got to dial it back at some point. Like somebody's had that conversation with him. I have to believe. I think it's just the internet. I think everyone's just worried. I think the Legion of Boom probably tried to do that. And he he broke them up. I think that's part of it. Um, And it's not just Keenan Allen either. I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the supercut of all the college teams that do it? Yeah, they superimpose them over each other because it's always over a green screen. <laughs> it's like 20 different colleges saying, like, Mountaineers country, let's ride. Like, Bowling Green Nation, let's ride. Like, everyone's laughing at Russ right now. I do love the commitment from the college programs, like those players who were even like trying to mimic body language and like the way he was phrasing it and everything. It was hilarious. It's, you know, I think the Broncos are going to be really good. Obviously, I think Russell Wilson is a good quarterback, but it has been funny to just watch his tweets. And I don't know if it's, you know, we're seeing Tyree Kill in Miami and, and the way he's really speaking up and being outspoken in, in a way that I think the Kansas City Chiefs just didn't allow him to be here in Kansas City. Uh, I disagree with a lot of what Tyree Kill is saying, but I understand that he's trying to make himself a brand in a way that I, I think he wasn't allowed to here in Kansas city, but Russell doesn't need to do this. Russell Russell's a quarterback. <laughs> like you, you have money, you make a ton of money, you have endorsements. You don't need to sell yourself to the fan base. You just got to win football games. Yeah. I think that's the big part of it, right? You, you really don't have to sell yourself to the fan base. All the Broncos fans were through the roof that they already got Russell Wilson, right? I don't think you need to go around and have every throw that you've made this offseason out on social media. Like, no no other quarterback is really doing that. But I don't know. For whatever reason, he, he's trying to build up his mystique. We have had, you know, leaks come out through the media and stuff saying that, like, Russ really cares about, like, what he thinks his legacy is going to be. And he wants to be a Hall of Famer. And he wants to be considered one of the greats and all that stuff. And, Unless he has some sort of turnaround like a Matt Stafford like last year, right, where he could have been an MVP contention if, if he didn't have that stretch where he was playing injured and stuff like that. And, you know, he won a ring like in, unless he has that type of success. And it's he picked probably like the hardest spot he could have picked to do it. Right. I mean, in terms of Denver, I know they've got the weapons. They have the cap. They have young players like Sertan. You know, obviously, he must like the coaching staff and stuff like that. But. In terms of uh, the the opponent adjustment, right? Like it's it's a difficult path to go through. So high standards have been set. I, none of this is going to matter as long as they win games, and all of it's going to matter if they lose games. That's just what happens in the NFL. Yeah, you you mentioned legacy, and it's Russell Wilson. It's like he's maybe what like once in his career, like legitimately been somebody that was like, Oh, he's having an MVP caliber season. He's but never gotten an MVP vote. Yeah. Hope Rivers but has. but then it never, but then it didn't carry throughout the entire season. It's like, yeah. he's had like pockets of MVP run 
throughout his career, but he's never put it together for an entire season. And, you know, obviously had the playoff success early in his career with the Legion of Boom, but you know, things kind of fell apart in Seattle. So Speaking we'll see how Stafford, I want to I want to bring up one point. Stafford still isn't throwing yet. You see that? They're I like, thought he was throwing now. He's oh, still not throwing. I, I saw they were like they're still talking about him nursing his shoulder. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> he had that injury like that. He started what he had he was recovering from that injury since March. I feel like that's not a big enough deal yet. Like it's August 3rd. This guy has been dealing with this since March. I don't when do we get worried about Matthew Stafford? Who's his backup? John Walford? Is that is that the oh. backup for the Rams? Oh, no. Walford, who almost was Walford the one who almost took the job from uh from Goff? I think so. I, I think yeah, so. John Walford, Bryce Perkins, and Luis Perez, fresh off of uh, the USFL. Oh yeah, that's not what you want to see. Um, that that's not what you want to see at all for the defending Super Bowl champions. So I uh, I hope Stafford. Let's be clear. I hope Stafford's healthy because I thought he was the best pocket passing quarterback in football last year. With that being said. I'm always worried when quarterbacks aren't throwing or are, are having to manage, you know, any sort of arm or shoulder issue in August. I feel like I've just been, I, I've lived through too many of the Andrew Luck, like, oh yeah, he'll be ready by week one. And then he's just very clearly <laughs> never going, it was never going to be ready by week one. And the team is just lying to us. I am excited for the Allen Robinson hype though. Allen Robinson has been getting all kinds of I hype. Saw it. Every, everyone, uh, all the national reporters took their first trip to LA for yeah. a training camp. Not a, not a bad move, but they're like, yeah, he can move around everywhere. He's running all these routes and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Coaches let's, love let's him. Coaches are so impressed with his work ethic and everything he can do on the football field. Um, I hope so. Cause they paid him a lot of money and he didn't look like that last year. So I hope he takes a yeah. step back up. And it's, I, I don't think it's going to turn out well if Matthew Stafford can't throw footballs. So No, Walford isn't feeding him. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I hope that works out for the Rams. I hope Stafford starts throwing again. I do agree. Uh, football was fun last year with Matthew Stafford balling for the Los Angeles Rams. And I think it could be more fun this year with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson if he really bounces back the way that the media is hyping him up to so far in training camp. But Let's take a quick timeout right here. And when we get back, we'll get into some more training camp storylines. Jimmy G's been fully cleared. Justin Fields has continued to impress. Oh, and the Niners finally gave Debo Samuel an extension. That's all coming up next on NFL University. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., Mentioned it right before the break. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers did confirm this week that he's been fully cleared by the Niners. He's still not going to participate in practice, but he's free to work out. They think that he's healthy enough to throw. And I don't know if I believe any of this. I think this is just everything they're saying to try to get him traded somewhere because he's just kind of hanging out in the background of training camp practice. And they're also spending a bunch of time hyping up Trey Lance now. I don't know where this was all of last season. I don't know where this was all of this off season, but as soon as training camp started, they said, Jimmy G's out of here. Trey Lance is our guy. Trey Lance is incredible. And he's showing everybody in training camp why he's our franchise quarterback. Shouts to the Niners PR team for, for <laughs> coming up with this scheme. Um, the Jimmy G thing. I, I do think that he's like actually ready to throw. I, I, I think the injury clauses in his contract, I are, are such that like the Niners just do not want to risk it at all. And if Jimmy is going to get himself, get himself hurt in any sort of way, it's going to come on his dime. It's not going to come, you know, at the expense of the team. I think they're just done with the Jimmy G experiment. They just don't need him anymore. Frankly, um, still don't know. Like we brought up the Browns, right? The Browns are pretty obvious because of the, the suspension. I mean, it would be hard. We just talked about, you know, Stafford, who I just looked up, is throwing, but they're like really limiting how many times he's throwing and he's still throwing through pain. I don't know if that's a move that they would make, you know, if, if push comes to shove, you know, at the end of, you know, at the end of the preseason, like that's still an in division trade. Would the Niners make the Rams coming off of a Super Bowl better? I don't know. What other landing spots is there for Jimmy? Because it seems like Seattle's happy with like Gino, right? Carolina just made the move for Baker. And those were the only two teams left that we really had to circle. Like, are we just waiting for 
a quarterback to get a non-contact injury in like a joint practice or something. Like these guys don't play preseason games anymore. Well, and it does kind of feel like maybe the, yeah, the Niners are just crossing their fingers and hope that somebody's quarterback or backup quarterback gets injured during training camp. And then uh, a team gets worried and they're like, what can we get Jimmy for? Uh, What can we get Jimmy for right now? So we have some quarterback depth. Um, It feels like that's their best option at this point. Unless, and if, you know, if this Deshaun Watson six game suspension holds up, I don't know why Cleveland would go trade for Jimmy G at this point. Um, And when you were staring down the barrel of a season long suspension, that move might've made a little bit more sense, but if it's only six games and you got Jacoby Brissett, who's, not a great starter, but he's a serviceable starter, uh, more than worthy backup NFL quarterback. It's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who the options are. Uh, maybe uh, if you're a team like Chicago and you're like, I want a strong veteran to back up Justin they won't Fields. Do it. I don't they know. They will not do it. They will not do it. Not after the Andy Dalton thing. I, I think they have to be all in on Justin Fields and just build the offense around Justin Fields after what happened last season. And who knows if they're going to even – see that success this year but like the the, even the cleveland thing right like the jacoby situation i guess becomes interesting from like a locker room perspective because i would certainly take jimmy g the quarterback like on the field over jacoby he's played in a similar system so you would think that you know they'd be able to transition him quickly but like how do you sell to you know the locker room that like Jacoby's been there he's been there all summer he's been taking all these reps he's been doing all the right things and then when push comes to shove we're just going to bring another guy in to to replace you and I guess the perspective of that is like this is also the team that gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract maybe locker room stuff doesn't matter as much as you think but that stuff does come into play sometimes and you could hear from people. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be the first time Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett were in the same locker room, right? Like we've heard Julian Edelman talk about them in New England and him rave about, you know, Jacoby Brissett's preparation. And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, like pulling himself out of game weeks on like a Saturday and the team being like, what the heck is that? So I don't know. So I've got two options and these are both highly unlikely, but I think would be the most entertaining options to make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, Carolina, uh, just Just add another one. Yeah. The chaos of getting Baker paying Sam Donald, all this money and then going out and just trading for Jimmy Garoppolo too would be hilarious. It's probably really unlikely. And the New York jets, because all of the reports had a jets training camp so far, or that Joe Flacco has been better than Zach Wilson and like not close, like, like much better than Zach Wilson. Dude, I'm telling you, it, I've had some conversations with people and they're like, was this last draft class? Not, not this, like not 2022, but 2021, the quarterbacks, right? That's all we talked about. Generational quarterback class, generational quarterback class. If you need one, grab one right now. There's so many of them. I've had conversations with people who are like, is it a bust? Is it a bust of a class already? And and my initial thought is always just like, they're rookies, right? Like we always see a massive jump between year one and year two for the most part, unless they already look decent as a year one guy. But the one quarterback out of all the first rounders from last year that I have the most hesitation with is Zach Wilson because it looked like he just completely lost confidence, right? Like, And he was probably the fourth best quarterback that the Jets played last year on the field, right? I understand he has the talent. I'd certainly give him the reps, right? Like I, I would have given him the summer. I'd give him the first couple, you know, weeks of the, the first month or two of the season. But if there's one quarterback that I want, like maybe a little bit of golden parachute behind, it probably would have been Zach Wilson. So I do think that it does make sense. Like if Jimmy gets there, we'll see, you know, there's a floor there running the offense. You know, Salah obviously had been in San Francisco before. Um, there's some connections there. It's a similar system, right? Which is, it really important thing when we're talking about it's August 3rd already. That does kind of make sense. I don't think Carolina bites. They just drafted a quarterback too. You're going to release a fourth round <laughs> quarterback. He's your quarterback for the only way you could do it is if you spin it as like hashtag analytics, right? To, to yeah. Mr. Multi-billion dollar uh, owner. Just throw numbers at the position. Just, th- just like, keep we get more hits when we swing more. That's yeah. analytics. Like, oh, but you still have to split up practice reps. How many actual reps are we getting looks at these guys for? I don't know. I do. As I was sitting there listening to you talk about Tech Wilson and the Jets, I was like, man, 
it just makes sense. Like it's starting to really make sense. We brought uh, this up a couple weeks ago. I was yeah. like, Josh Johnson was playing better than Zach Wilson last year. He was. It's he was in, in terms of rookies, like rookie quarterbacks last season. Like I, I totally agree with you. His his shows of promise were significantly lower than at any other of the rookie quarterbacks. Like I know Trey Lance was super limited, but at least when we saw him play for the 49ers, like we saw the athleticism, we saw him, you know, willing to take the big time throws down the football field at, at key moments. And we saw the playmaking ability with Justin Fields. We saw his athleticism and his rushing ability and his ability to push the football downfield. And we even saw some moments and just the most chaotic situation we've probably ever seen on a national football league field in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Like you could just see the potential in some of his big time throws. I think there was maybe one game last year where Zach Wilson had like a starting NFL quarterback worthy performance. And I think that was it. Like there was just one game where you're like, okay, he, he actually put it together today. You know, it wasn't against a great team, but he, he looked decent, had some, made some big time throws and made some, made some big plays with his arm and stuff like that. It's really, really worrisome for a team that loaded up that roster this off season and really invested heavily in draft capital. And they're really young and they've got some significant talent and, the, the reports coming out of camp just can't be that Joe Flacco looks way better than Zach Wilson. And it's not that close. And Flacco is kind of what always openly been like, yeah, I'm not here to mentor people. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, when we talk about like a veteran in the room, like we're not talking about a guy like Joe Flacco. Like, I don't know how much Joe Flacco is helping him in quarterback meetings and telling him a young quarterback, like, Hey, these are the struggles I went through with my confidence early on. And, we are talking about a player who has really high – there are really high expectations around him, right? We talked about, again, generational quarterback class. He went, what, second overall to the Jets ahead of three other first-round picks who, frankly, probably could have outperformed him, you know, in that rookie year. He transitioned from an offense. You know, BYU was running all that stretch zone stuff. So everyone thought, you know, this is kind of like a Cinderella slipper, right, in terms of like a perfect fit for him. Um, he went from a jump as a really young player from Provo, Utah to literally New York city and got thrashed all throughout last season. Like the confidence stuff I feel like is like really important, especially for these young guys. And with all this, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, Zach Wilson, not looking sharp. He's throwing on air right now. They just got pads on like the Packers just got pads on yesterday. So, like, all of this has been against air. And if he's not looking good against air, and, like, when are these developmental steps going to be taken, right? I mean, th those, that, those are the legitimate concerns I have around Zach Wilson. I'd give him all the reps with the ones until he can prove to me that he's not the quarterback, right? But I do think you kind of have to head your bets a little bit at this point, considering the offensive line that they have in front of them right now, right? The defense is getting healthier. Carl Lawson coming back is going to be a huge deal for them, right? Multiple, what, three first-round picks they were just able to draft. They have all those guys at wide receiver right now. Like, there, there's real expectations here. Like, he needs to show that step this year. He doesn't need to be a pro bowler this year, but he needs to at least show that, like, he can hang around in the league. If you're the 24th best quarterback in the league, that's fine in, in year two, but you got to not be – less than 28th like you were last year yeah he he just has to show that he can operate an nfl offense <laughs> like yeah. that's that's the only jump you need to see from him in year number two for a guy that they took number two overall like yeah you have to roll with him you have to roll with him and see what you can do with him until it totally falls apart it's just not sounding very good and we got kind of sidetracked in the jimmy g trade conversations there but i do want to discuss the Debo Samuel contract really quick. Um, I, Cause I want to get your thoughts on it justice. Cause obviously big deal for the 49ers to get this done. Big deal for Debo Samuel. It's been an insane off season for wide receivers where we've now seen Tyree kill Devonte Adams, Cooper cup, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, and Amari Cooper all get some form of contract extension that's going to pay them on average over $20 million per season and, you know, certain circumstances, $30 million per season. 
it's been an insane explosion on the wide receiver market, but it's also interesting to me that we just saw DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel sign these contracts and they're only three year extensions for elite level wide receivers, because these guys are saying, now I don't need the five year deal anymore. You just got to give me guaranteed money up front. Give me three years. That way I can hit free agency again and get paid again a few years from now while I'm still 27, 28 years old before I get into my thirties and I got all this wear and tear on my body because the wide receiver market is just absolutely going insane right now. That's the biggest takeaway I had was the, the three, everything's a three-year extension and it's beyond wide receivers too. DJ Humphreys, right. Uh, the, the left tackle for the Arizona Cardinals just signed a three-year extension too. I think everyone is just realizing like, Hey, if we just double up, we can hit, you know, two of these contract extensions in our prime. The cap is going to absolutely explode with this next set of media rights deals, right? I think everyone sees that on the horizon. We're still dealing with a somewhat suppressed cap, um, kind of paying off, I guess the way to explain it is like paying off the debts of like the COVID year when there were no fans in the stands and still, you know, kind of not making players whole, but making players close to whole. Right. In terms of that, um, it's really interesting. I mean, from a from a uh, uh, like an agent's perspective. Right. It always made more sense if you could like set the, the market for wide for not just wide receivers, but NFL players sign your three year contracts. Right. You still get that signing bonus immediately and you get to the negotiating table quicker. This Debo Samuel, it's a three year extension. Correct. But in two years, he's going to be at the negotiating table again because it's going to be one year left on his deal where it's going to be the same thing all over again, right? So it's almost like it's almost like a two-year extension really is the way to kind of like think about it, right? Um, that always makes sense. The only thing that is an issue, right, is you're, you're taking yourself – you're putting yourself at risk a whole lot more in terms of like if you get injured in that contract year, right? So it'll be interesting to see like how all this stuff – shapes up and you know how many of these guys last longer than, than others i mean debo with the amount of pounding he's taken as like you know those t- kind of running back reps and you know jet and around whatever you want to call them those type of reps too he's only getting like 1.5 million dollars in like an escalator for for getting carries which is really i mean to us if we got 1.5 million dollars if we split 1.5 million dollars right we'd, we'd be ecstatic but for him I mean, that's a relative drop in the bucket relative to, you know, the rest of his contract. Debo was probably the guy I would have said, like, maybe you want a five-year deal and a bigger, you know, signing bonus. But, like, a guy like DK, who's very young, right? Like, he came into the league, he was, like, 20 or, like, 21. Like, he just turned 21 or something. Um, him him being able to get to the negotiating table again is going to probably make him, you know, tens of millions of more dollars with, with future money and what the cap's going to look like moving forward. Yeah, I've got to imagine it's, you know, the escalation and what you can get per year as a wide receiver compared to other positions in the NFL where we've seen this boom this offseason in pass rush and wide receiver that's been absolutely insane. And like you're mentioning, the cap going up. I've got to imagine these guys are just telling themselves, like, it's worth the risk because you're getting so much yeah. more up front now. And if I can, like, for Debo Samuel, you know, he's had the question marks about durability and staying healthy. And last season, he didn't even play every single game last season. But when he was on the field, he was one of the best playmakers in all of football. Like, that's totally indisputable. And so now, if he can make it a couple of seasons where he stays healthy and continues to produce at this type of level, you're right. Like, he's going to come back to the negotiating table in a couple of years and be able to get another huge raise or or say i want out i, I want to get traded and somebody else will give me another contract extension and you know, dk metcalf got the largest signing bonus for a wide receiver in nfl history and so he's saying that's why i'm fine with three years because i just got 30 right. million dollars just to sign the contract and so it, it's really interesting to watch the way that this is exploding especially at that position where it feels like the the leverage that they have at the wide receiver position right now because i think there's a case to be made that this is the deepest the wide receiver position has ever been like there's just so so many talented guys at that position in the nfl right now all of them have leverage over the league just saying okay trade me 
trade me. Somebody will give me 30 million. If you're not going to give me 30 million, somebody will, because there's guys getting it all over the league. And there's, we're so deep right now. I might be the 20th best wide receiver in the NFL, but the gap might not be as big as you think it is anymore. When you do like 10 to 20. Yeah, no, I mean, we were talking about this, I think like a month ago with KP, like, is Keenan Allen a top 10 wide receiver? And then we just like listed off wide receivers and we're like, probably not a top 10 wide receiver. That's crazy. Cause you think of him. I mean, he's a really talented player. He's done it for so long and it doesn't seem like he's fallen off by any means. So like, yeah, I mean, the scarcity at wide receiver is really high too, I guess is the way to explain it. Right. Like the high end talent, there's never been more high end talent, but then there's also scarcity because so many teams are, taking swings and misses on a lot of these wideouts right now in the draft. And yeah. we're, we're not seeing a lot of these guys who actually hit free agency and sign elsewhere do well. I, I, I did a look over this off season just because, I mean, Green Bay Packers were focused on the wide receivers, right? Like we were, we were looking at like what free agent wide receivers have signed like big time contracts and then had success elsewhere. And really the only guy who's like actually hit the open market and has like, exceeded expectations somewhere it was like vincent jackson and that was a long time ago that was a long long time ago yeah that that was a really long time ago wow that's that's insane actually uh but yeah i'm trying to think about it right now i'm trying to think of like who's that guy who legitimately just hit the open market and then was still guys, get, tra- guys get traded yeah right? guys like get Diggs, traded. Got, Diggs got traded and right. he's still a number one wide receiver um you, you get guys like i mean i guess Odell did Odell hit free agent? Yeah, Odell did hit free agency technically, but that was like in season stuff, and it's not like he was signing a huge deal, right? Like expectation is is a big part of it too. Like when you're signing a Christian Kirk, you're expecting a Christian Kirk to produce, and history says Christian Kirks do not produce, especially when they <laughs> move to move to different teams. So yeah, I think Christian Kirk's probably going to be the same dude he was in Arizona and Jacksonville, which is yep. Show some flashes, uh, make some big plays here or there, but probably an inconsistent wide receiver. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. We'll see. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, and another wide receiver who's looking to get paid is Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson, who, uh, like Debo and DK before they signed their deals, is participating in a hold-in. He's at Steelers training camp. He's just not practicing. But uh, according to multiple reports this week, he is. they are having negotiations. They're having conversations at least – about his new next contract. Now this one, I love Deontay Johnson. I think he's a really talented player. I'm not so sold that they actually get a long-term contract extension done with him though, because it would kind of go against the Steelers trend. Like they're a wide receiver factory. We've talked about it before. They know how to draft and develop wide receivers. They've done it over and over and over again, where they draft these guys who are just playmakers in the NFL for a long time. And the only guy they really did it with was Antonio Brown, which worked really, really well for a while until it didn't. And then they cut ties with him. And I think Deontay Johnson's a talented player, but with the quarterback situation and all of the, you know, planning for the future and trying to figure out who we are moving forward without Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if the Steelers are going to prioritize giving a big contract to Deontay Johnson. Yeah. And I'm sure some people are listening and being like, well, Deontay Johnson isn't Debo Samuel. Right. But this is kind of like the trickle down of like what has happened in the wide receiver market. Like DJ Moore just got $42 million guaranteed on a three-year deal. Like I'm sure Deontay Johnson circled that one and was like, I can get that. Maybe I'm not Terry McLaurin. Maybe I'm not Debo Samuel. Maybe I'm not DJ Metcalf, but I can hit DJ Moore. I can match yeah. DJ Moore if I hit the you know open market at the very least. DJ Moore didn't have anyone bidding for him at that time other than the Carolina Panthers on an extension, right? So it's nice to see a uh, Steeler doing a hold-in and actually showing up and not uh, avoiding it and having the entire locker room just, like, run through his shoes like they did with Le'Veon Bell. That was, that was a wild time. By the way, Le'Veon Bell, you see he's boxing? Oh, no, I have not. He's, well, he's, I mean, I knew he was supposed now. to box Adrian Peterson, but it got canceled, right, or pushed back or something. Yeah, he's a boxer now. And then AB dropped a uh, – former Steelers getting into, uh, getting into different businesses. AB is now a rapper. Yeah, he's I like, did he, see the clip of a his festival. moves. He's got all sorts of features. He must have paid a good amount of money. 
to get some of those features on his on his rap album. I I don't I don't know if he's long for it. We'll yeah. see. I think he'll he'll come back to football at some point, but his music is going to take the risk on him. His music is terrible. I've listened not to good. some stocks. His Dude, music is not good. It's straight up awful. Labion's wasn't good either. Yeah. The, the the NFL players rap. We got to figure out who the best rapper in the NFL is because I've listened to the Le'Veon one. I've listened to the AB one. I've listened to the Cole Beasley one. None of them do it for me. None of them. Yeah, none of them really hit for me. I mean, I think there's an argument if you made it out of those three, it's probably Cole Beasley was that was sucks. the best in the group, and none of it's good. Uh, yeah, none of it did anything for me personally. Um, I'll come back. I'll research. We'll do it for uh, next week. I'll tell you who the best okay. rapper in the NFL is. I'll, go, I'll listen to stuff in the background. I, I do before we get out of here. I do think that the DJ Moore comparison there for Deontay Johnson is a perfect one. Um, they're They're both – volume wide receivers that don't score a lot of touchdowns really, but they're good. They're good players. They're, they're guys that you want in your offense. But then you look at the Steelers quarterback situation and reports out of camp are Mitch Trubisky has not been good. Mason Rudolph has been okay. And Kenny Pickett is the clear number three quarterback by a wide margin. Um, not good. So not good. You're in, with a team that, you know, they still got a defense that is ready to compete. And I, I think if they figure something out on offense and, you know, you got to assume just having younger quarterbacks and, and just being able to try more things with them than they did last season with Ben, that they can figure out something on offense because of the talent that they have on that side of the ball. But the Steelers got to figure out what they are moving forward and who they are moving forward. And so uh, that's why I think it's just going to be tough for them to say, yeah, we're willing to commit a long-term extension to a wide receiver when they have no idea what they're going to do at quarterback for the foreseeable future. A reminder that Kenny Pickett is older than Jalen Hurts, which is <laughs> just still somehow blows my mind. Cause I feel like Kenny Pickett arrived last year and Jalen Hurts has been playing in major games for like a decade. It seems like. Yes. And Jalen Hurts has been good in the NFL. Uh, he's been a starting caliber quarterback, whether you think he's a franchise quarterback. He wasn't He wasn't backing up Mason Rudolph and uh, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yes, very true. So, yeah, the Steelers got a lot of things to figure out. But uh, that's all we got for you on today's edition of NFL University. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Uh, nothing coming up for you guys again until Friday afternoon, the next edition of The Look Ahead with RJ Ochoa and Rob Setzker. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.